0: I, when I was looking at like kind of leaving, you know, clinical practice, I was, you know, I feel like a lot of your identity, right, is kind of sucked into like being a vet and you think like, this is like who I am and like what I've been doing and, you know, I've been doing all this work and stuff. So it was a little, you know, it was kind of like, am I going to be like a real vet anymore if I'm like not like working in practice and not working directly with animals every day and stuff like that. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's nice to have a new challenge and it's definitely been more like intellectually stimulating than seeing a lot of like hoof abscesses and dentals every day. Um, so that's been pretty nice. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it was I was more stressed about like making the kind of the transition and it's, it's not been too bad. My name is Miranda Abrahams and I'm more than just a vet.
1: Hello, you are listening to More Than Just A Vet, a podcast where we explore the lives of veterinary professionals. I want to know What's behind the surgical masks of the people who help our animals? My name is Francisco Gomez. Welcome to my show. Hello, Miranda. How are you? You all right? I'm
0: good. How are you doing?
1: Do you want to tell me a little bit more about you, um, where you come from, and how you end up where you're now?
0: Um, Yeah. So I mean, I'm uh, American originally. I grew up on the east coast uh, of the U.S. right outside the capital, Washington, D.C. Um, and then I went to vet school and I pretty much always you know, wanted to do horses. I was always right into the horses since I was little. Um, so I went to vet school. I worked at a racetrack for a little bit. I did a couple of um, internships and then I ended up doing a surgery residency in Canada, uh, in Ontario, which was super nice, very fun.
1: So you were from Indiana, you, you were coming from, and then you, mm-hmm. you went to Ontario, which yep. actually you got to go through London to do that.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you go that way, yep. <laughs> yep. No,
1: not England's London, the other London. <laughs>
0: yes. yes, a little bit less exciting, but you yes. know, still
1: all right. I, I didn't know any of this. I mean, it's just because I looked yesterday on the map and I thought, mm-hmm. there's something called London in here. I've never mm-hmm. been to, uh, to America or Canada, so I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Well, it's all very big and spread out. I mean, everything is super, you know, it takes a long time to get anywhere. The East yes. Coast is a little bit better, but especially the West Coast, I mean, it's just like forever.
1: Yeah. So, uh, something yeah. something you, you, you put in your email is that the reason you wanted to be a vet is because you like science and animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I thought, well, this is the best, most simple and a straightforward answer that nobody has ever given me. And yeah, I think we all done that. I think the reason (laughs) we are vets is because we like science and animal. I think that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: And then nobody in the family was a vet before?
0: No, no. I mean, just me. Like, and no one was into horses or anything before either. So I, uh, yeah, they've all kind of come around, I think, to the vet and horse business, but, you know.
1: May I ask you, what do your family... Background is what did they do?
0: Um, so my dad is a um, psychologist, so he's like a therapist, huh? and my mom is a teacher. Um, and I have two sisters, one of them is a social worker, and one of them is a music theorist, so not really no, anything to do with animals either. Not, <laughs>
1: nothing to do with animals, even a psychologist is not gonna. Well, there may be some animal psychology, but that's about it, yes. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, uh, and then, um we move forward, you love horses, you love, uh, love large animals, uh, and then for some reason, the, let's have a look at all the papers, <laughs> one, two, three, four, nothing in here. You end up in Germany. Yes, yes. Okay. How did that come about?
0: Well, so after I finished my residency in Canada, I moved out to California, um, because that's where my boyfriend at the time was living. Um and then I would have worked out there for a while, worked in equine practice, um, we got married, etc. And then he had an opportunity through his work to go to Germany to work on a um, clinical study over here with his company. And so I was kind of like, "Well, I need something to do there, and also because I didn't I don't really speak German very well, so I didn't know that working in clinical practice was going to be like the best option here. so um, yeah so I am doing some work for his company um, with medical robotics uh, at the moment here in uh, Germany I've been here since October so not very long but,
1: but that's, that's fantastic that's really interesting and uh, well when I, when I was um, younger I I don't know if you have uh, listened to my guest in other podcasts mm-hmm. uh, and I used to be a taxi driver um, sorry if nobody knew this before. I used to be a taxi driver, yes, before I was a vet. <laughs> um, and and then a lot of my clients in the South of Spain, they were they were Germans. They all speak English. They all mm-hmm. used to speak English. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing uh, language is not a huge barrier, is it? Or, or is it?
0: Yeah, you know, that's, that is also what everyone said to us when we were leaving the US. They're like, don't worry, don't worry. Everyone speaks English. And like, yes, like people do speak some English, but I feel like they don't really like to. And so... <laughs> Then, you know, you'll say, like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't really speak German. And they'll be like, okay. And they'll just keep speaking German to you. And you're like, <laughs> all right, good. So we'll just, like, we'll just sort this out. So, I mean, you can definitely get around. And, I mean, I haven't had any experiences where I've been, like, totally, you know, like, you can do things and, you know, do your stuff that you need to do. But um, in terms of, like, having a full-on conversation with somebody in German, I I'm not at that level. And, like, you yeah. know, so – But like where we work and stuff, everyone speaks English there. So that's not a problem. So that's fine.
1: So it works works okay. Yeah. Yeah. Most most of your colleagues are are German or they come from Mm -hmm. all over? Yeah, most most of them are German. Ah, I see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I was at university, I tried to go to um, one of those extra curriculum things where I tried to learn German as well. Mm. And then that didn't work out. Um, (laughs) So, no, I, I can't speak any German. I can I think ish is the I, right? And then I think that's that's it. (laughs) I I, I don't think I can go any far. Oh, uh, counting. I could count.
0: Oh, yeah. Counting is hard, though. Like, one to ten is okay. And then after that, like...
1: No, but I don't even remember one to ten. So...
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's all right. I, you know, I feel like being American, I'm always in awe of, like, all of you guys, like, the Europeans, because you all speak so many languages. And we just... You know, I mean, I took languages when I was younger, but you just don't, you know, you don't speak it, right? And it's like, you're like, well, I just speak English, so I hope everyone speaks English.
1: (laughs) It's the same thing. We don't all speak languages. We speak our own language, and then we start to learn. Well, me especially, I was taught English in school, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I started to speak to people who could speak English when I actually thought I can speak it now. But it took me a while as well. It's not, I mean... It looks easy that I'm doing a podcast in English, <laughs> uh, but I've been here for a lot of years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what else is different, you know, because I'm guessing there is a culture change uh, from <laughs> coming from the U.S. To, um, to Germany. Have you lived anywhere else other than uh, the U.S. and Canada before?
0: No, I haven't. And I mean, you know, Canada is different, but it's yes. not like that different, right? I mean, it's yes. pretty similar. And of course, they do speak English there. So, um, I mean, definitely a fair amount of things here that were surprising to me when I moved here. I mean, just like everything is closed on Sundays. That's not you know, a standard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this? Like, I want to go to the grocery store? Nope, sorry.
1: Well, <laughs> it's closed.
0: Should have prepared better. It's okay. <laughs> um, yes. and, you know, I mean, there's no, like, things are just much smaller, right? Like, everything is smaller. You have to go to the store more often. Like, yes. the streets are smaller. The cars are smaller. There's no, like, big box stores. I yes. mean, you know, you can't Amazon things to your house, like, the next day. I mean, we, did, like, especially yes. in the pandemic in California, yes. we did an awful lot of, like, Amazon, yes. Uber Eats, those kind of yes. things. And, like, no, that's just no. Not,
1: not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something, and then we can take it off the podcast if you like. I was looking at also uh, about, um, because you said in your email that you're interested in politics. And Mm. I thought, I'm going to look through you. I'm going to search the internet uh, everywhere to find out, because, you know, Americans are going to be either Republican or Democrat. It's going to be one of the two. And I thought, I'm going to look everywhere to find out if I can work out if she's Democrat or Republican. (laughs) So I, I went, honestly, every... Everywhere, And then I find you on Twitter. And mm-hmm. then one of the things, you said something and I thought, that's it. She's going to be a Democrat. Am I right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> yes. you
1: act, I actually read the next sentence after reading that in your email. And it says, the US political situation is always in, of interest and sometimes despair. But a little bit better now. I could just have read that. <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't, you know, I feel like I try to get along with people of all those, like, political persuasion. So I don't want to be too, you know, <laughs> whatever.
1: But. I thought I could have read that and then I have worked it out. <laughs> no, I spent an hour trying to find out.
0: Well, you know, that's good. That's good. Right.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. So I, I want to ask you one thing about getting more into uh, veterinary now. Um, mm. ab- about... Working in robotics because I found it really interesting, and I think it's a really big jump uh, uh, from private practice where you have worked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And uh, and then robotics, and you know, uh, making things to make people's mm-hmm. life easier. Which I think that's the. You said something about. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure if I'm doing uh, a lot for the for the world. I think you do. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, yeah. I, I I'm being very serious about it. I mean. You know when you go to these um, to these stores where you have to do everything yourself because there is no no person in the counters anymore? And people mm-hmm. say, well, I don't like that because then we're taking jobs off people. Well, actually, I like these things because I'm thinking if robots do our job, then we have to do less work. You know? Right. People, mm-hmm. humans, I, I see it that way. The problem is mm-hmm. politically... Um, if we are improving in that way, there should be a way whether people don't lose their jobs. It just makes it easy for everybody else, not not for people actually not making money to feed themselves. Uh, right, but that yeah. that's my feels philosophically way of thinking. Sorry for boring people. Um, <laughs> okay, so and one of the things, uh, one of the things you didn't miss is the interaction with some clients, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean. I have to say, I was definitely a little bit burned out on kind of clinical practice. And yes. um, and I mean, equine practice, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've never worked in spinal practice, and I know like you're in spinal practice and stuff. And I'm sure the clients there have their own kind of idiosyncrasies, but oh, is... horse people are, you know, like sort of a, I mean, horse people are definitely themselves. <laughs> and, you know, and I really like working with a lot of the clients, but a lot of it, it's just quite like mentally tiring, right? Having like the same yes. conversations, discussing the same kinds of things and... Um, not, not listening. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, also in general practice, I mean, you just see the same stuff over and over, right? And sometimes you get interesting stuff. And I mean, certainly I got to do, a, you know, some surgery and I, I really like doing surgery, but a lot of the stuff was pretty like you can just kind of autopilot your whole day most days. Yes. So, I was ready for something, you know, more challenging and different. Yes. And definitely definitely the robots are different and more of a challenge because I didn't
1: really know anything about them to start. Did yeah. you did you think clients were frustrating in private practice?
0: Uh, I mean some clients, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I,
1: I, yeah, I I know I'm generalizing. I know uh, mm-hmm. M- mm-hmm. most most clients are nice, but you probably thought that that subset where frustrating and thinking i, I can't i can't deal with this anymore it's that sort of thing
0: yeah yeah and i mean i feel like the nice thing about a lot of horse clients is a lot of them are really knowledgeable about the horses so like yes. you know they can do a lot of stuff themselves but then sometimes like they think they can do stuff themselves that they really like can't or they're like well i'm going to ask you for your advice but then i'm just going to do what i want and then i'm going to complain when it doesn't go well and you know so i mean it's a, it, it's a variety but it's certainly some of them can be quite challenging
1: yes um I I did a um a poll in a private um Facebook group um mm-hmm. of vets about what's the worst being of being a vet. Because last last year I did about what's the best. So this year what was the worst. And there was a lot of people saying were like balance and uh, mm. not enough time to do the things they wanted to do. One of them was managing expectations. Would you would you that one? That's what you were thinking that was the, the worst thing of being a veterinary practice. And and the other thing is, do you think that's not a problem anymore where you are now?
0: Um, I mean, yes and no. So like, obviously you have the expectations now of like your colleagues and, you know, your supervisors and that sort of thing, but they're a little bit more clearly kind of laid out. And like, they don't, it's not like every day is going to be a new, like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing today? It's like, okay, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. The projects are longer term. So, you know, there's more sort of continuity of these things and you work with the same people all the time. Right. So there's not, it's not, you're not meeting new people every day to see like, what are they, what are they going to be like? How are they going to take to your style of, you know, like medicine or whatever? So, um, and I mean, all the people that I work with, I mean the same in private practice, right? All my colleagues were great and they were fantastic to work with. And the same thing now, like all the people are super driven, super motivated, very, you know, fun to deal with. And, and so that's nice. I mean, that's definitely, you know, that's kind of made it. It's a little bit easier to have a little more continuity, I would say.
1: I fi- I find that sometimes talking to people who are also working is easier to take to take on people who who are not knowledgeable. Or and part of the conversation sometimes is trying to find out at what level they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like too, you know, you like they. You're always supposed to be sort of like in charge of like the situation. I feel yes. right. Like I'd like show up to the farm. There'd be all these people. Something'd be happening. They'd all be like, "Oh," and they'd be like, "Okay." Yes. Like you're going to tell us what to do. Like you're going to, you know. And that's a lot of like pressure, right? And like there, yes. there's no room for you to be like, mm, "I'm not really sure what's going on here." Or like eh, I don't, I don't really know what's wrong with this one, you know. But uh, so you need to be like the authority of like knowing things and yes. you know having a plan and like being being in yes. charge. And now. Um, it's certainly, you know, it's totally fine to be like, hey, I don't really know about this. Or like, hey, can you explain this more? Or like, I'm not familiar with this. Or, you know, so that's sort of nice too. Because that's, I think, you know, more like kind of being at university, right? You have that sort of mindset of like collaboration and learning yes. and stuff
1: like that. so Yes. And I'm guessing, like I said, I have never done um, large animals either. But if you go to go to a farm or to go to a, to a bigger place, it's, it's a longer time being under that pressure. Under the same mm-hmm. person, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we do consult now, it's it's only fifteen minutes. You you almost have the the, the time to say, well, actually, let me figure it out. Um, we're gonna do this and this and then this. I'll give you a call.
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can't
1: do that in in a small animal practice, but in I'm I'm guessing in large animals is more difficult, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I mean, certainly it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, what's going on in every single case. Right. So it's certainly yes. fine to say like, Hey, I'm not totally sure. Let's do yes. some diagnostics. Let's try this. Let's see what happens. You know, we'll come back like next week and recheck it. So, I mean, that's all fine, but I still feel like there's that expectation for you to like be in charge and yeah. like know
1: what's happening. Yes. So. Okay. So how long have you been in, in the, in robotics? It's been like five, six months or more how about that. Yeah.
0: Um, I started with them part-time like a year and a bit ago. So um yeah so like a little more than a year yes
1: mm-hmm. what's a normal day what, what do you do you to get up um, and then uh, don't tell me about brushing your teeth just you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um i mean most of the days are you know we do a lot of labs and stuff so um with either like animal models or um human like cadavers or tissues or things like that um And so, you know, you kind of have had your like plan for the lab. So you go, you get the stuff ready, you do like whatever kind of procedures and stuff you might need to um, do to like get the model ready. You work on whatever kind of thing you're testing, you know, that day. I mean, the things like it all takes a long time, right? Like you have to get everything set up. You have to get all the equipment ready. You have to like do maybe some imaging. Like there's lots of things to do. And so, you know, and then you kind of go through your like workflow, do your whatever you're working on testing. And then you have like some sort of debrief meeting typically of like, okay, did this work? Like, how is this going? What can we do to improve for the next time? You know, what do we need to adjust in our protocol? Those kinds of things, so. Okay.
1: So let's say I you have robot A, right? And and then uh, what they do, they, they give you this prototype and then you go and test it in, in a cadaver or in a piece of tissue. Uh, and then you feedback uh, the, the people that you work with and says, actually, when I do it with my right hand, I feel a bit weird. Uh, But when I do it with my left hand, then it it feels better. Can we change (laughs) it because I'm left-handed? It's something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean there's a whole there's like so many different types of engineers which I like totally did not realize before. So there's obviously like the, you know, like an engineers that actually build things, which is I mean, I've never taken an engineering class in my life, so I'm kind of an oh. imposter engineer to begin with. But yes. you know, so there's engineers that actually build things, there's engineers that code stuff to like, you know, go so like the software and all that kind of thing I see. works well. There's the um, like human factors engineers that are like, okay, should the button be here or should it be over here? Or like, you know, should the light be blue or should the light be red? Like what's, you know, the better for the people. And then there's like what I'm technically doing now is being a clinical development engineer. So that's kind of like to interface with the physicians and with the clinicians that would actually be using the product in, you know, a human hospital for human medicine um, and say like, kind of like, well, this is what they do now. Like, how can we improve this workflow? Like what kinds of things do they want? So we'll bring physicians in for labs and stuff too, and kind of talk to them about, you know, what kinds of things they like and what kinds of things they could use in their practice. Um, And yeah, like you say, you know, what's more comfortable for them. Is it comfortable to have the things here or over here and sort of how that works and then feedback that information to the people that like, you know, build the stuff. So.
1: I, I see. Uh, what's the hardest part of the job? Um,
0: I mean, I would say for me, it's a little bit of a toss up between sort of just generally like not knowing what I'm doing most of the time, although I'm getting a little bit better with that. But <laughs> at the beginning, for sure, I was like, I have no idea what's happening here. Like, what are we doing? Um, and I mean, I'm still not, you know, all of the like computer, everything, it's not, I've, I'm not super comfortable with it because it's not just something that I've you know been used to doing a whole lot of stuff with. So yes. um but that's you know improving as well, and I mean you learn a lot of stuff for sure yes.
1: I'm guessing with any jobs you know yeah. when you done uh, a job for three or four months, you're still uh, finding your comfort zone that yeah. I thing is not it, it's not whether you you are brighter or or not it's' it's, it's just that particularly when you do a jump like mm-hmm. from being a vet to uh to start looking in that sort of mechanical engineering development <laughs> right yeah uh, yeah. Could you tell me about any any piece of equipment that you found, oh, this is fantastic, um, that is already out? I mean, I understand mm-hmm. that because of company secrets, you shouldn't be telling me things to development I because maybe someone in uh, somewhere else <laughs> making the same thing and this is a race and, and mm-hmm. that must be mm-hmm. fantastic. But um, <laughs> and, and, and it can be a, a pain, I'm guessing, for the company. You're thinking, oh, we've done this now. Oh, someone has done it already.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very, there's definitely that pressure of like time stuff. Right. And then being like, what are other people doing? And like, how can we, you know, be faster? And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Tell me about some sort of product that you're really proud of. If it's not you, you think the company is really proud of or Mm -hmm. any Mm -hmm. sense like that, can you?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know, you know, there's a whole variety of different kinds of products. I mean, a lot of the things that we use in veterinary medicine for like laparoscopic surgery, and, um, you know, things like that, like, I mean, obviously, they use them in human medicine as well. And they are kind of like fancier and nicer, I would say for the yes. human medicine. But also, I mean, Stuff like, I don't know how you did, like, you know, do it in your practice, but when I was, like, working in practice, I mean, like, we'd reuse these things, right? Like, you have your, like, ligature handpiece or your stapler or whatever, yes. you'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to re-autoclave this and, like, reuse it. But in human medicine, uh-uh, no, just, like, one-time use. and You throw the whole thing out. Like, that's it. So, you know, the standards are a little bit different, I feel like, in terms of, like, what they can kind of get away with because, I mean, you know, they have a lot more liability and stuff like that, too. So, um but, yeah, I mean, a lot of those kind of things, um, yeah, I mean, laparoscopic stuff, things like the electrocautery, you know, like the ligatures, the, like, automatic staplers, like those kinds of things for, like, oh. intestinal surgery. Um, and a lot of the, you know, the engineering portions, I think, go into not only making the equipment, but making, like, the visualization. So you know, how does the nice. camera look and how are you looking at it? And what's like the kind of feedback when you move the instruments, you know, can you see that on the screen? Ah. Cause you know how like laparoscopic surgery yes. is, right? You move your hand this way and the camera goes the other way. So you really yes. have to kind of think about it backwards. But um, then some of the more, you know, the newer robotic surgery things are, you know, they're, they're not that way. So it's just, you know, you just, you move your hand to the right, the instrument moves to the right. So it's more, um, more kind of intuitive and a little bit more, uh, more reasonable for, for the physicians to, to deal with less of a learning curve, I guess, for them.
1: So, so robotics so. covers everything from doing a lapar- as, um space, for instance, or any 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 things where it involves a a, a camera uh, mm-hmm. to to a stapler to something as simple as a stapler.
0: Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know what necessarily falls under the purview of like robotics per yes, se, know, but yeah, no, I mean, a lot of these medical device companies work on yeah all these kinds of different things.
1: Oh Um, wow, that's, how how do you know what, because I'm I'm guessing this is mostly human stuff and then it gets applied to veterinary, is that right? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I would say. I mean, some stuff is specifically for vet, right? I mean, some of the horse stuff because it's just bigger than you have to use in people, but yes, generally it came from there, yeah.
1: And how do you guys know what medics want? Um, or do you actually are the 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 forward-thinking um, people and then they tell them, I think you need this?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, you know, the different companies have some physicians that work for them that were in practice before. And now they've come to work for the company to be like, hey, let's like, you know, drive the medical breakthroughs or whatever. And there's a lot of consulting physicians as well that like are in practice now and working in practices Um but we like consult with them and, you know, fly them in for labs and things like that and kind of, you know, have various discussions to see like what is, you know, what would they want? And a lot of those people are trying, you know, we try to get people that are pretty experienced in whatever field, you know, you're looking at so that you can have someone, you know, that will have a good um, breadth of experience and kind of an idea of like where they want the the technology yes. to go.
1: So, so I, I do a bit of ophthalmology, right? And mm. one of the things I find most difficult is to try to explain either to clients or to other vets how the eye works because everything is in 3D, right? And you're trying to explain parts of the eye and what they are doing. Uh, And sometimes it's difficult. You know, something as simple as telling a client what the cornea is. Look, there is a problem here in the cornea. And they say, so you mean the lens, right? (laughs) No, the lens is inside. It's the cornea. And obviously I can't touch the cornea because if I touch the cornea... Uh, the, well, I shouldn't be touching the corner. Right. <laughs> to me, it should be simple enough to explain
0: mm-hmm. what it is.
1: But mm-hmm. when I, sometimes you see a client, and say, no, it, it is this is the problem it's in here, and you can, you know, I even um, found a program in the internet called Blender. I don't know if you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. and I made an eye, you know, a three D eye to try mm. to explain to people how it <laughs> try to move it. So yeah, yeah. something, something like that would be useful for me, so please make it. Um, <laughs> and and also um if I could have like a three meter wide eye, right? With all the components so you could walk inside and mm-hmm. then explain to people more for teaching purposes than for robotics. Yeah. Then that'll be very useful as well. So that's my um two cents.
0: Alright, excellent, good. I'll take it under advisement. Yep. <laughs> Next project. <laughs>
1: And for diversifying purposes, because there may be opportunities to other vets,
0: Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the
1: most important question is, do you work weekends?
0: Um, I do not, no. There you go. No. Yeah, (laughs) which is definitely an improvement from uh, an equine job.
1: (laughs) Vets all over the world, please think about going into robotics. (laughs) You don't work weekends in Germany.
0: Right, <laughs> exactly. They don't work weekends in the U.S. either. I mean, even with like the U.S. work ethic kind of business, you know. I mean, no. You didn't no.
1: say the grocery store was open.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> <this is> true.
1: <laughs> yeah. Are you ready to switch off and relax? Visit a stunning one bed apartment in Costa del Sol, only five minutes train ride from Malaga Airport and a mere two-minute walk from Las Alamos Beach. It's close enough to enjoy the beautiful Mediterranean Sea and Torremolinos cocktail bars, while being able to walk away to quieter areas if you need time to unwind and relax. It's self-catering to give you maximum flexibility in a private complex with beautiful swimming pool. Visit alamosbeach.com or the link in the podcast notes and the website for more information. Tell me something that I haven't asked you, something you're thinking, oh, i like to say this, and I haven't asked you. If there is nothing, then don't worry about it. But is there anything I haven't asked you you like to say?
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, when I was looking at, like, kind of leaving, you know, clinical practice, I was, you know, I feel like a lot of your identity, right, is kind of sucked into, like, being a vet, and you think, like, this is, like, who I am, and, like, what I've been doing, and, you know, I've been doing all this work and stuff, so it was a little you know, it was kind of like, am I going to be like a real vet anymore? If I'm like, not like working in practice and not working directly with animals every day and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's nice to have a new challenge and it's definitely been more like intellectually stimulating than seeing a lot of like hoof abscesses and dentals every day. Um, so that's been pretty nice. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it was. I was more stressed about like making the kind of the transition, and it's it's not been too bad.
1: So you were afraid of losing part of your identity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah.
1: always been wanted to be a vet since was little, and now this opportunity comes over. I'm thinking, oh, am I betraying myself by making this, this movie? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and, and the, just, yeah,
1: and then you realize that in your new job the you are the vet still
0: yeah i mean definitely i mean the first i think like the first time i went and did you know one of the labs we were like closing up you know the pig that we used yes. after and and they were all like oh man like your suturing is so pretty like you have such you're so good at suturing and i was like well <laughs> this is what i do all the time so
1: <laughs> yes so that, that yes. that's that, that's really cool because like i said yeah. about before when when i i used to be a taxi driver and i i talked during my my um and sometimes, um, when I being a guest or, or did in the program about mental health problems and what, where, when is the time to lose, to to leave the profession to say, well, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Well, you don't have to really leave the profession. You can just diversify a little bit, mm-hmm. or like me, I could just go back to. Carrying people in the taxi, yeah. um, <laughs> but at the moment I'm not gonna do that just yet. But um, <laughs> but, but but yes, it, it's not it's not a betrayal. I I guess you know is going to, mm-hmm. to to um to use your skills because the, the, the there are skills. The uh, at the end of the day, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I mean, especially, I think, you know, with the way that, like, the, you know, veterinary industry is right now, I mean, if you wanted to go back and get a job, like, it would be so easy, right? Like, there's so yes. many jobs out there. If yes. you have some experience and stuff, like, it would not be hard. So I don't feel too stressed about, like, if I suddenly decide, like, nope, I want to go back to, like, seeing colleagues at midnight, the opportunity will be there. I can do that. Yes,
1: so. yes, you're right. Okay, yeah. okay. So I'm going to um to ask you the the, the fun questions. Um, You have... You, have you listened to the first episode because it's been out already with Julian? I did listen to it, yes. no um, know. Mm-hmm. So I know.
0: <laughs> know. <laughs> I was like trying to be prepared. Okay, let's like listen to stuff. Let's look, look at the website, you know. Whatever.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, I'm not going to ask you the same question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good. No, I will ask you the same question. So uh, this funny thing that people, I don't know, they, did they ask you a fun question for interviewing you? Or, yeah. or were they
0: um yeah i mean i had to give like a little presentation and stuff you know about like about myself or whatever and so then i mean i I did a little bit of zoo work when i was in equine practice as well yes and so at the end i put like a pictures of me with like a whole bunch of like zoo animals like all these like creatures (laughs) that i like treated and then they like asked me a lot of questions about that so that was like that was good That was fun.
1: okay did they ask you the giraffe question
0: no i haven't no
1: no no how would you fit a giraffe in a fridge
0: Oh, yes, I remember that you did ask that question. Um, I mean, I think I would just put a lot of food in there and hope that, like, as it got more hungry, it would just continue to, like, screw itself in the fridge.
1: Fantastic. I think that's a really good answer. Thank you. <laughs> I thought I was going to make something new, but I don't think yeah. I have to. I think that... But I do have another question, however. What would you rather fight? A um, horse-sized dog or a hundred-dog-sized dog? horses
0: oh definitely a hundred dog-sized horses yeah
1: Yeah. i -hmm. thought that too someone Mm -hmm. someone said in the internet that well i think both can kill me i don't think a hundred um uh horses of the size of a dog will Uh, but it's something i wanted to ask thank you
0: yeah horses are not that aggressive right like that's just not their thing
1: yeah no no especially if they're small yeah One last thing is about dinner. I all tea people in the UK. I was told I was told off my uh, uh, one of the nurses uh, at work when I said, "Look, I'm asking the dinner question." He Says, "No, that is tea." Okay, um, <laughs> what are you having for dinner today?
0: Um, today I think we're having. Uh, pretty sure we're having brats tonight. Yeah, because we are here in Germany, so that's the way to go.
1: You're having broth?
0: Brats, like bratwurst.
1: Oh, is that mm-hmm. a sausage? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm,
1: I yeah. see. Ah, okay. That answered both questions because I was going to ask you what you're having and what's good in Germany. And there you go. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, you go to the store. There's like a, there's like an entire like shelf of like, there's like yes. bazillions of them. There's so many kinds. So.
1: Is saying is sausage when you refer to it bad? Is, do the German thinking, no, it's not a sausage. It's a whatever.
0: I mean, I think I I don't I don't know like that's how it's listed everywhere, and if you go to a yes. restaurant like that's how you know they are. So, yes. but, but I'm not sure if it would be bad if you said that. I
1: okay, Fa- fair enough. I, I just worry in case I'm offending anyone.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. If you're if you offend the Germans, like they'll tell you they're offended. Like they're very straightforward, right? So no worries, you'll know.
1: Brilliant. Um, what's, what's your hobby?
0: uh i mean i do you know i'm pretty into the horses still so um certainly do a fair bit of riding uh i haven't we haven't found a barn here yet to ride so taking a little bit of break from that but before yeah i would ride um and then i started playing polo this past year also which is Uh
1: like super fun in germany
0: very fun no in um in california
1: before we moved yeah. Do you manage to go back much, or you haven't gone back yet? Or
0: um, haven't been back there, not yet. No, but I mean we've only been here like a few months, so we'll, we'll, I'm sure I'll go at some point
1: so. and I start playing polo again.
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh, there's polo here though too, so probably yeah, hopefully you might get into
1: here. it. Yeah, that's that, yeah. That, that, that's brilliant. Okay, so let's. Um, I didn't tell you something. That's nothing. to It may not even make the podcast as, as well. But when I was little. And I was hit My my dad always had horses too, um, mm. and that was the reason you know he wanted me to become a vet. Um, but well, when I, I was as I was growing up, I learned that uh, vets used to be in debt in where I was coming from. I don't know if that's anymore. And the reason they were in debt is because the, the vet would visit um, the person who has the horse, mm-hmm. then treat the horse, and they would say well, I don't have any cash on me. And back then you didn't have these machines that you can take the money. Mm-hmm. I'll see you at the bar and I'll pay you then. And then didn't tend to see you at the bar. So <laughs> they end up having to go to the pharmacy and have an account at the pharmacy that is, was always in red numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So he got to the point I thought, don't really want to be a vet for horses because I'm not gonna make any money. <laughs> uh, and, and when I was little, my dad bought um, a horse. It was called Cabriola. Um, mm. She was, I think, she was twelve. And I thought I'm gonna buy this horse for my, for me and for my son, so he can learn to ride. Mm. And, I, and I think it was the first time. It was ten or eleven. He put me on top of the horse, um, and in a few seconds, uh, the horse went on the back legs. I fell down uh, to the floor. I don't know what else <laughs> happened, <laughs> and I and I fell straight away. Didn't give up. I kept riding horses, and I kept falling over. Mm-hmm. So it goes to the point of I fall over as often as I got on top of them. So I think <laughs> this is not for me. I think I need to give it up now. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my. Um, my uh, my beginnings with horses, and I don't think <laughs> it went any farther than that.
0: So not a very positive start, huh?
1: <laughs> no, very positive start. No, I, I never disliked them, but I didn't think I I, I got on with with horse, horses very much from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How how was your, how was yours your start with horses?
0: Um, I mean, I always liked them, and then I started taking riding lessons. You know, when I was a little kid, yeah, and. Um, I got a horse when I was 12 and then I just like, I mean, I spent all my time at the barn, you know, like you'd go out there and you'd just be like there the whole day. I don't even know what I was doing, you know, for like the entire day there. Like, I mean, like you'd ride once and like the other times you just, I don't know. But yeah. So, I mean- I was pretty, and I mean, honestly, like I'm not a great rider. I was never like a super good rider. If I wanted to have a career in horses that was like not doing that stuff, it would probably not be very successful because I'm not like that good. But I really like hanging out with the horses and, you know, doing stuff with them and working with them and stuff like that. I don't know. There's just something about them, you know? They're just, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so the, the, there is something that they give you, right? Um mm-hmm. And I don't believe you. If you play polo, you are a good rider. You are, <laughs> I'm sure you are. And that's the difference. My That never actually come me into, um, into a club or to, uh, to um, mm-hmm. you know to, um, uh, to, to lessons or anything like that he just thought I'm going to put my child on top of the horse see what happens
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I mean that's a good option too right you never know <laughs> I mean I've fallen off plenty of times you know if you ride horses long enough you definitely Did you fall get off. off
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> okay Miranda Uh, Honestly, um, it's been nice to to talk to you. It's very interesting. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. And this is it for today. Did you enjoy this episode? If you have any comments or reviews about it, don't forget to leave them in the website morethanjezabet.net forward slash contact. And once you're there, please support the show by pressing the donate button. You can do it for as little as one pound. And making sure everything's packed safely to go on to the helicopter. Hasta la próxima. And then, yeah, we get put our stuff on the helicopter and get flown maybe 20, 25 minutes to the field site.